Welcome to Deuterocanons. Welcome to Deuter Cannons. I'm Byron. With me, as always, is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. Now, <clears throat> you've got episode 48, part two, but doesn't technically mean it's episode 49. Yeah, that's true. It depends on... <laughs> so the, the last time we did this, I just kept it all together. But... Oh, okay. I, I don't know. For the sake of, I don't know, just sheer numeracy and things of that nature numeracy i think i made up that word as do i uh for sheer what, what, what do you call output uh there, there, there's there's a word for that i don't know i can't think of it right now i just started a cup of coffee so i i don't know but this is episode 49 if this is in fact the start of an episode and if it's episode 48 i'm going to cut this out and you won't know that i said it in the first place Okay, so last week or five minutes ago, depending on your understanding of time, <laughs> it's, it's, we, were talking about, we were talking about self-control, and we're going to continue our conversation here. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to continue our conversation here now. Again, depending on if this is together or apart, doesn't matter. It bears, it's worth repeating. We are continuing. We're, fine. we're finishing. We are finishing our series on the fruit of the spirit, self-control being the last one. Uh, again, this comes from uh, this the Bible. Okay, this comes from uh, <laughs> a table I have in my Bible here that I use to teach the kids how to speak in public, yada, yada, yada. It, the, the table lists each aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, a definition, several verses as an attribute of God, and then several uh, verses as an attribute for a Christian. So we have worked all the way through. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. We are on self-control. In fact, we are halfway through self-control. We have discussed our definition and then commented uh, thoroughly on how this, this Bible or this picture or this table, excuse me, does not list any verses for self-control as an attribute of God uh, and why we think that might be and why we think that may not be correct because certainly God has self-control as he has demonstrated restraint. I think it was well said uh, by you in with by citing the the whole you know while we're sinners, Christ died for us, right? Yeah. Now I will say that um, God is not tempted, nor does He tempt mm -hmm. any person. So by by saying that that God does exhibit self control, I'm not claiming in the slightest that that God is tempted. Um, mm -hmm. Jesus was tempted though which that, that's something important to keep in mind since Jesus is one of the ultimate examples of God's self-control. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think, again, the whole, the, the temptation piece, though, it, it, again, it goes back to the whole, in here it says victory over sinful desires. I think a more appropriate definition would simply be victory over desires because not all desires are inherently sinful. And again, what I said last time or earlier in this podcast, depending on how this works out, uh, is if you are hungry and there's, a, and there's work that needs to be done, if you choose to do that work instead of eating, 
that can be a good thing, but eating is also a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that. And so you, you, you had previously brought up wisdom. Correct. Very, very connected to this. Yeah. Now, where I wanted to pick up because we were starting to get into something very interesting and I didn't want to cut us short. We were in Titus, um, looking at, we looked at Titus 1.8 and then 2.12. And so uh, we started to talk about discipline and how I think, honestly, the idea of discipline, particularly what I'm, I'm referring to as intrinsic discipline. And I actually, during the break, grabbed my, the book that I'm reading to kind of to elaborate on that. I think that and self-control go hand in hand. What I did want to do, though, is comment a little bit on Crete. Uh, I have a little section here in, in my study Bible. It talks about, it says Crete, the fourth largest island in the Mediterranean Sea. Crete lies directly south of the Aegean Sea. It says, in New Testament times, life in Crete had sunk to a deplorable moral level. The dishonesty, gluttony, and laziness of many, its of, many of its inhabitants were proverbial. And it references Titus 1.12, which says, one of Crete's own prophets has said it, it has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. So, uh, like, as you had mentioned previously, it seems like Titus is really kind of up against it in terms of, uh, you know, uh, imparting these, these biblical morals on this, on this culture. And as we mentioned previously, we see the idea of self-control mentioned throughout the first two chapters uh, quite a bit. So, what I wanted to do, though, so we... Why don't you go ahead and maybe remake or finish your point on discipline, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about discipline. Okay, so the, the word discipline, of course, comes from uh, disciple, and uh, in Latin, that's, uh, uh, I don't know, how would they say this? Discipulus, discipulus, or maybe discipulus, depends on if it's a hard C or a soft C, but it's a pupil, yeah. a student, a follower, and so that comes from uh, discere or perhaps discere, D-I-S-C-E-R-E, which means to learn. And But what's maybe even more interesting than that is that it comes from an old Proto-Indo-European root, dek, D-E-K, which means to take or accept. So if we think about discipline, obviously that's like, if, if, I, if you are a disciplined person, <clears throat> Byron, it means that you have taken, you have accepted teaching that has produced that effect in you, on you, through you, with you, etc. Mm -hmm. hmm. Which is interesting in light yeah. of Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that's, that really is the perfect image of, of being a disciple. And, and it is a, an act of self-control to voluntarily taking on the yoke and which i think that segues really well with what i was about to say so i'm reading this book right now i'll hold it up so you can see it but it doesn't matter because nobody else will be able to it's called leadership the warrior's art by a guy named christopher kalenda he's actually a retired I think, lieutenant colonel but anyways uh there's a lot of stuff in here that i think it's just i think it's some stuff that we know to be true but it's just really well said and so i'm going to kind of uh jump around here a little bit <clears throat> But in, in this section, he's talk, it's called Defining Discipline. He says, <clears throat> people commonly equate discipline with punishment. They, they view discipline as the use of coercion to gain compliance. This type of discipline is extrinsic 
which is used in compliance cultures. <clears throat> so I want you to think about back when we talked about leadership and I talked about how our direct, a direct means of influence will a lot of times result in compliance and we don't want our, our soldiers or our kids or our whoever merely complying with our, our orders, right? Right. We want to use our indirect means of influence so that we foster commitment, okay? So that's just, just a reminder there. And so he goes on to talk about intrinsic discipline. It says intrinsic discipline occurs when people advance the common good voluntarily. I'm jumping ahead again here. Listen to this part real quick and think about this in terms of the church. Intrinsic discipline provides competitive advantages significant for organizations that operate in highly uncertain, dynamic, ambiguous environments because it removes the need for time-wasting, intensive supervision and micromanagement. I, I got to read one more thing and then I, I'll kind of talk about this a little bit. So in his this book, when he's talking about cultures and discipline, he talks about a compliance culture. So if we're creating a culture where it's the discipline is based on compliance or extrinsic extrinsic discipline, he says this is what it looks like. Um, he says it's a well-defined good that has low levels of commitment. That's a compliance culture. And so he says compliance cultures requires intensive supervision. Leaders will spend so much time enforcing the rules that there is little time for strategic thinking and development. I'm going to skip ahead here. It says the compliance culture runs into serious problems when faced with strategic competition because people have low levels of commitment to the common good. Leaders cannot afford to reduce supervision. Yeah. And so, again, like you can, I think you can probably appreciate how that, that pertains to the military. Like if we're wasting all of our time making sure people are doing the things that they're supposed to do, like – and I will even just like, I don't think that these things don't matter. Like wearing your uniform correctly, I think those things matter. And, and I don't really have time to elaborate on why that is. But let's even say something like weapons maintenance. Yeah. If I have to stop what I'm doing to make sure that you're, as, as a leader, make sure that you're maintaining your weapon, uh, I'm not focused on other things that I should be focused on. And that's something that's a skill level one task, we would say. That's something that should be, uh, you should do. Uh, based on your intrinsic discipline or your self-control. And so I think when we think about talk about discipline here, particularly in light of what all the things I just read there, and then think about the things Paul's saying here, and then like Paul said to people in Corinth, right? We have, we have what is effectively seems to be compliance culture going on where there's a lot of people that are not committed to the greater good. And so now we're too busy addressing issues like what meat we eat, and what, what kind of hairstyles we have rather than the strategy of spreading the church. Right. And so, yeah. um, I think this is where we can, we can see where intrinsic discipline or self-control is beneficial to us individually. Right. Like, you know, Obviously, it's good for you to have self-control and not overeat. It's, it's good for you to have self-control and not be lazy. But more importantly, it's good for the church because when you uh, can control your own desires and the people around you can control their desires, we're not focused inward. We're thinking, I'll say, strategically. Okay, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with all that. So, So my question is, uh, does that book, what insight might that book offer or do you have about how to move from the extrinsic to the intrinsic? 
Well, and, and, and that's what's interesting, right? Because you talked about um, the yoke, right? And, and, and this kind of where, we, again, we start seeing these things bleed into one another, like it requires patience. And, and we've talked about that before, where certainly young people are capable of much more than we give them credit for. And, and, but I think at a younger age, like, again, like going back to the trivium, the grammar stage, the discipline is, is mostly extrinsic unless you have a kid who's super motivated. And I can tell you even with, with my three, <clears throat> um, I would say Emmett is far more intrinsically motivated than uh, <clears throat> Madeline, you know? And I think some of that is just by virtue of him always wanting to be like the big kids, let's say, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, and so you're going to have some kids that are maybe, I, I guess all I'm saying there, and, I, and I'm not trying to <laughs> trash talk my kids, my daughter, or anything, <laughs> but, but like, I guess all I'm saying is it's, it's different from one person to another, but generally speaking, when, when we talk about children, <clears throat> the motivation is going to be extra, the discipline will be extrinsic because more than likely they would prefer not to sit there and memorize the first 12 elements of the periodic table or the definition of a noun or, you know, uh, their history sentence, right? And so, which, I mean, again, all the things are flooding in, right? Like train a child up in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they will not part from it, mm -hmm. right? So I think there is an element of where, <clears throat> so I, I, what am I saying here? The first step is, it, how do we make the transition? I don't know that I necessarily know, but I think I also kind of do. I will say, I think, it has to start with extrinsic discipline. What, what does that mean? At least with your children, you have to make them do things that they don't want to do. Like you have to, I guess, demand obedience, uh, exert your authority. You know, I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that you nailed it with train a child up in the way you should go. I mean, I can, I can throw a couple more uh, verses on that. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. Mm -hmm. um, or if, if a man loves his, or if you love your son, you will discipline him. And if you, or how, how does it go? You know, it's one of those proverbs where, you know, it's like, uh, the two halves of the verse mirror each other, but the other half of it is like the one who hates his son refuses to discipline him, you know, or, mm -hmm. or like something like that. Like, like the, the only way that, that you would not discipline your son is if you must hate him. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I think that you're right, that it, it has to start off with that, that there's a whole lot of, of training and drilling and extrinsic things that, yes, set not, not just a child, but, I mean, a child, an animal, a garden, you know, mm -hmm. th th think about how hard it is to, like, get a garden bed established, mm -hmm. as opposed to, I mean, it's it's like, Maybe it's with anything. It's it's the starting that's hard. I mean, like, why don't yeah. people get in shape? Well, because like they don't push through the six weeks that suck. Mm -hmm. And 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 may, maybe it's maybe it's the same way. Like, because it's maybe that's just how discipline works. Yeah. It, it it takes difficult effort for a period of time on the front end before any fruit, before there's any fruit, before there's, there's any clear benefit, and a lot of people give up before they reach that point. I mean, in, in education, something that, I don't know, veteran teachers talk about a lot, is that, that 
uh, initiatives and programs tend to be cyclical. And some of them are more or less not so great and others are more or less okay. But regardless of, regardless, it seems like initiatives are abandoned before the three years it takes, like three years of fidelity are, are, are needed before any positive results are seen for any given program or initiative. And they typically don't even last that long in the first place. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think the one thing I will add to this as, as, we're, as I'm thinking about it, as I'm chewing on it, as you're talking, right? Like there is an element of it when they're young where it's like, nope, you're going to sit here. You're going to do this because I said so, you know, but concurrently, we also lead by example, by reading to them. Like, let's take reading for, let's, let's pick one thing, right? Let's talk about reading, right? Which again, now we, we have both done this with our children, right? We have yeah. started off teaching them their vowels, their short vowel sounds, and then we go to long vowel sounds. And then we start working on consonants. And then we start talking about, you know, uh, we start putting letters together and working through phonics, right? And that can be pretty painstaking, right? Like you want to test your patience, listen to a kid read. (laughs) (laughs) But there really is no other way. Right. But, But while we're teaching them phonics, we are also reading to them. You know, Mm -hmm. and in doing that, demonstrating the importance of reading. Right. And so we're leading by example. Uh, We're fostering commitment by showing them why it matters. You know, and I think the other thing, maybe I'll just transition over to the army because this is where this makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, A basic training setting is very much compliance culture. You know, there is some there is an element of fostering commitment by helping them feel like they're something part of something bigger the army writ large but i think in this book talks about it you get a lot more esprit de corps and cohesion when they actually get to their unit and they're part of a squad and a platoon you know and Mm -hmm. so in that environment it is a lot more compliance culture but again you're still leading by example uh and you are helping them understand how it fits into the big picture but there's a lot to be said too for um uh, intrinsic discipline kind of taking off within an organization when you have cohesion and when you have, you know, uh, teams, because now what's happening is, you know, as an organization, you have standards and people hold themselves to those standards because they don't want to let the team down, you know? And so like, I, I think there's not any one thing. It's a combination of things and they have to be layered on, uh, where appropriate. Uh, and, and the thing I always say too, right. It's, it's like, and I've said it to guys here, you know, the army definition of leadership is the, uh, the activity of, uh, influencing others by providing purpose, direction, motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. I understand that motivation is part of leadership, but we do get to a point where I don't care if you're motivated. I care if you're disciplined because that means doing something, even though you don't feel like it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> there are times where we even maybe uh, revert to compliance. Right. Like do this because I said so. But the understanding is I've built enough trust with you that, you know, I'll explain why that is later or the reason will be self-evident maybe on the battlefield. Right. Once you get out there. And so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. 
I just we just said a lot of things. <laughs> did we <laughs> did we kind of talk about how we go from extrinsic to intrinsic? Yeah, no, I I think so. <clears throat> so essentially, the move from extrinsic motivation or discipline to the intrinsic <clears throat> comes by actually like following the leader. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, we could probably do a, a whole study on the, the manner in which that happened with the disciples. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Right. I, I mentioned three years, like three years of fidelity being required to see results. That's exactly what happened with Jesus and the disciples. You know, it, it's commonly yeah. thought that, that his ministry was about three years which also means that the training of the disciples was about three years. Mm -hmm. does, does that have a, I don't know, does that correlate to your experience in the military? Like people becoming intrinsically motivated after three years? But, man, I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, there might be something to that. I yeah. think, again, I think it probably depends from person to person. I'll tell you, yeah. you something, though, then. And this is something I keep coming coming back to, and I think this will probably be something I, I preach on maybe my first opportunity back, is the more I study the fruit of the Spirit, the more I think uh, feelings follow action, right? Like if you're sitting around waiting to feel kind, uh, you probably should just go ahead and do it because the feelings are not necessarily going to come. And so maybe, but, but I bet they'll follow if you start to behave as somebody, if you decide, you decide to behave kind kindly to people yeah, yeah exactly. and so it's just, I, I think it's the same thing here where um right like if you practice if you have somebody forcing you to be disciplined i mean i remember thinking that as as a soldier where it's like for years my fitness had been outsourced to my leadership right my squad leaders <laughs> and my team leaders yeah and then i got to a point where it's like i remember thinking like could i keep myself fit I feel like I could do that. And, and I mean, yeah, now here I am like here for years now, you know, my fitness has been my own responsibility. And so at some point, I think I pretty consciously made that switch, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I got a clock running. We've been going for 22 minutes. Let's uh, push on. So the next passage comes from first Peter five, eight through nine. <clears throat> Turn right to it. Send it. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. All right, so... Now, I will say I kind of paged through this earlier, and I noticed we don't see the words self-control in there, uh, like verbatim. But where, where do we see self-control? Well, I mean, I think that that's sort of understood with uh, sobriety and vigilance. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a person okay. who's sober likely has self-control, and that's what's keeping the person sober. And a person who's vigilant, I mean, shoot, I've never had to do this, but uh, I mean, if, if you have sentry duty or guard duty, you're on watch, yeah. man. Oh yeah. Like, I, I think about the uh, the time in uh, Band of Brothers when the sentry shoots 
one of his own guys. Yeah. And, and then the dude just bleeds out on the table. Yeah. You know, because that, that sentry wasn't vigilant. Mm-hmm. And so couldn't operate self-control with his weapon. Yeah. Or, or even like, well, I'll tell you, we don't even have to use, a mil- I mean, this definitely applies to sentry duty in the military, but even think about the disciples being asked to keep watch in the garden. Yeah, you know? definitely. Which having spent many a night with heavy eyelids when I'm supposed to be awake, like, it's like, you got to get up, you got to get up and move around or find a way to keep yourself awake. And that requires, that requires vigilance and self-control, right? And it's, and it's hard to do because it's just so easy to just let those eyelids close. You know, and you'll say that to yourself. It's like, if I could just close my eyes for like two minutes, I'll be good. You know? Uh, so what do you think about this? It's coming from Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, interesting. Cause he would have been one of the guys falling asleep in the garden. Yeah. Right. But remember before all of that, Jesus had said to Peter, uh, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And I think that that, that was uh, that, that was Jesus recognizing what like the the temptation that was coming for Peter. And so 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 Peter would would know very well the fact that uh, Satan, the adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour because i mean he he did kind of get, get his way with peter a mm-hmm. bit now you might say that he, satan did not satan did tempt him and peter did sin of course he was restored think about the difference between peter's fall as opposed to judas's fall mm-hmm. you know the the, yeah. the the difference was that you know peter had the self-control to not give up despite the fact that he did let Christ down. Yeah. You know, in, in Jesus's, you know, worst moments. But I mean, Judas certainly gave into a sinful desire. Right. Yeah. The, the, they both did. And yet, yeah, because Peter didn't take his own punishment upon himself he had at least that much self-control. He, he was he was able to be restored. So I'll tell you, when I read these passages, the other place I see self-control is in verse 9 there. It says, I don't know what it says in your passage. Mine says, resist him, which hmm. the, the devil, right? Yeah. Resist him. So again, I think that's, if we were to pick some synonyms, I think that's probably a good one, much like restraint, Right. Because we, I mean, we even say that resist temptation. To resist temptation is to to demonstrate self control, to demonstrate again the intrinsic discipline, to not do a thing that you shouldn't do. Yeah, or even even resisting a bad person <clears throat> requires yeah. self control. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You think about like uh, great great battles. There was just one that I. I read about, man, shoot, which one was it? We, we've been reading a whole lot of history lately, so I can't quite recall, but it, it was it was some something like the, the, the army that, that we read about that was defending home, let's say, was was outnumbered by, you know, like a factor of four. 
and totally defeated the like the enemy hordes and suffered you know minimal minimal losses on their side like you know maybe a couple dozen as opposed to a couple thousand on the attacking force man who, who was mm-hmm. that i i can't remember we, we've been reading a lot of u.s history but also some like world history too like napoleonic stuff yeah anyway i i can't remember but you know to be a to be attacked by an enemy force resisting takes self-control yeah or like in the red badge of courage whatever the main character's name was i I can't remember but you know the the kid ran away Mm -hmm. oh yeah no that's an excellent example I, you know, I, and I think you even what you mentioned earlier, though, it, you know, God's not temp, can't be tempted, but Jesus was. And so I, I think we see. Um, sorry, I was thinking back to the, the definition they had in here for forbearance, putting up with others, even when severely tried. And so in terms of self-control, right, like it's the same thing where he's undergoing a trial. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about trials here in a second for the next passage, I believe. Undergoing a trial, right? And, and so several occasions, and particularly with, the, with being hungry and needing to resist uh, temptation there and how, like, again, what, what makes discipline significant is uh, when you can be, remain disciplined despite lacking motivation, let's say, right? Like, it's, uh, not, yeah. it's not hard to not eat when you're full, mm-hmm. you know? It's hard to not eat when you're hungry. Yeah, good point. All right, we should be hitting about, yep, there it is, the 10-minute mark here. So 2 Peter 1.6, this is our last passage, last passage for self-control and our last passage for the fruit of the Spirit. Whoa. I know, it's been a long time coming. I'm going to back up to... Five? You know, I might back up, I might back up even to three. Do it. Uh, back okay. up to two. Two. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Ooh, there's evil desires. That's probably noteworthy. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. I'm going to keep going. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is... Ne- nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins therefore my brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ okay so i think it's interesting we have that uh escape the corruption of evil desires but let's look at the progression of the wording there so for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness through the Spirit, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. I'm going to stop there. 
I guess right there when I think of that, now granted it's knowledge, not wisdom, but I think it does kind of speak to the role of wisdom in self-control because again, you know, part of self-control is choosing what is right over what is in some cases less right and then certainly in some case in many cases what is wrong so in order to know that you have to have wisdom yeah and i think that that's really technically right too um so to knowledge knowledge self-control so going back to uh proverbs 1 7 the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools yep. despise wisdom and discipline the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's, it's like you can't, um, hmm. and I, I, I had a thought there and I lost it. Rats. Hmm. It had something to do with, with, with the progression and I just completely and totally lost it. I apologize. Maybe it'll come back. So I have an interesting note here. It says, according to many false teachers, knowledge made self-control unnecessary. According to Peter, Christian mm. knowledge leads to self-control, which I think kind of goes along with what you're saying, right? Like, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and what? Discipline? Wisdom and discipline, yeah. Right. Okay, so so here, here was part of it. <clears throat> so if we think about wisdom as being like sight, like seeing rightly, <laughs> There's no mm -hmm. seeing rightly without first the fear of the Lord. Right. And once once you have that, once you have the fear of the Lord, well then the, the, the knowledge actually has a like it, it has it has a it has a place. Um, like you can actually see situations rightly because of the fear of the Lord. And mm -hmm. so then there can be self-control. Because mm -hmm. uh, like otherwise, like think about like how much self-control do you have in the dark? Yeah. I mean, if the, if the light is out and I don't know, there's like Legos all over the floor because you have two boys who love Legos. Oh, yeah. Like there, there's no, you're going to step on like 12 of them. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you turn on the light, so to speak, then, then it's possible to recognize, okay, I should step there and not there. Oh, mm -hmm. There's a Lego that's going to go into my foot if I step over there. Yeah. And of course, a fool would despise that. Like, it's mm -hmm. foolish to despise, like, that which can enable you to keep the Legos from out of your feet, mm -hmm. spiritually speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think the next part of this is interesting as well, because so... So you get knowledge and then from knowledge, self-control, and then from self-control, perseverance. And again, I think we can see some of the application of that when we think about the temptation and stuff we've discussed already, right? Like what makes discipline significant, what makes self-control significant is doing it when you're tempted to do otherwise, right? So again, it's easy to not eat when you're full. Not eating when you're hungry is the hard thing. But I think about like um, – uh, in the army, the when they talk about discipline. In our our doctrine, it says discipline that's living or living. I'm sorry, discipline is controlling one's behavior in accordance with the 
harmony values. So let's change that a little bit and say controlling one's behavior in accordance with biblical values, right? And so that means that regardless of my circumstances, I do right, right? Paul says, never tire of doing what is right. So even when I'm tempted to do Oh, man, you're freezing up on me. I said, you're freezing up on me. <laughs> oh. Wow. And we got about three minutes left here. Yeah, so so, so, so finish out this thought. Right. So uh, so perseverance, right? Doing, doing what's right regardless of circumstances. Uh, man, that really threw me off with the freezing up. Yeah, sorry. So, 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 okay. So, control of one's behavior in accordance with biblical values, right? That means that regardless of how I feel, I behave the way uh, God would have me behave. Right. Can you go back? Can you go back to that note that's in your Bible? Yeah. That last one that you read, because I think that that, that said it really well. That, that, that was that was awesome. According. To many false teachers, knowledge made self-control unnecessary. According to Peter, Christian knowledge leads to self-control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's sort of like the uh, the whole like mad scientist thing or evil genius. You know, like so much knowledge, or so much at least ostensible knowledge that that the possessor of it views himself as above the law. Okay. Well, we got a little over a minute. I think that's probably a good place to call it. Yeah, I guess having this time limit makes us be self-controlled, hey? Yeah. All right, I think you prayed last time. Shall I pray this time? Yeah, yeah, you you, you pray this time. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the technology that enables us to have this conversation with one another, and we pray that it might be uplifting to those who hear it. We pray that you help us to live lives, uh, disciplined lives, self-controlled lives, to impart that on our children and and to uh, be examples to others that we interact with, that they might do the same. Uh, We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.